How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody had a good week? So what's God doing in your life? One of my mentors up in Ohio, when, when we were serving in ministry up there, um, as an elder, that was one of the things he would typically ask when he would get up on Sunday mornings. So what's God doing in your life? Anybody want to share? It's that awkward silence, isn't it? I mean, God's not doing anything in my life. God's not doing anything in anybody's lives, or you just don't want to talk. Okay, I heard somebody. Wow. What's God doing in your life? Patience. I'm, I'm sorry? Providing hope. Wow, awesome. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. You know, I, I never prayed for patience. Why? Because then God puts stuff into your life that you need to be patient about. So just back. Anyone else? Alrighty, well just a um, little update. Thank you for the nominations that were submitted for, um, for the office of, of deacon and elder and Matt and I will be looking at those names and praying about that and um, taking the next, step, next steps to make some contact with those men regarding Regarding that and what that may look like as far as moving forward with any of the candidating process. So be praying for us as we, as we begin working on that. Thank you for your diligence in doing that. Um, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We are finishing, um, we're continuing I should say, um, this, this series in Matthew. Um, is it okay to... Drop a hint about the next. So following this, and we're going to be starting it in, in is it March? Did we did, did, Next week, yeah. We're going to be doing a, uh, uh, side, not a sidebar, how, how would you say? Just a, a, a folk, there's a good word. I like that. It's a good word. Can I use it? We are going to have a uh, focus series on loving the church and that will be coming up how many weeks were we planning on doing that 182 so, so that's coming up so we're going to um, take a pause on um, 
this passage in Matthew, and we'll visit that later on, but I wanted to give you that as a little teaser. But we're going to be today talking uh, Matthew chapter 14, and the working title will be The Contrast of Characters, okay? Got it? So follow along with me as I read. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Let's pray. Father, once again, we we thank you um, for the opportunity here as as the body of Christ to um, ironically break bread. And dig into the word. We know that it is a double-edged sword. And I pray right now that we would be very, very submissive to the work of the Holy Spirit as, as the word is illuminated. Father, give us the courage and the grace and, and the hope and the intentionality to take the word. be convicted by it, be obedient to it, and use it as messengers of the kingdom of Christ. And it's for the glory of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So we got two characters here in this story, three if you count Jesus, but but, but two two characters in this story that we're going to kind of look at as a little bit of a contrast. So heads up, we're going to talk about John or, or we're going to talk about Herod first and then the kids will do their thing and then we'll do the follow-up with, with um, the, the, talking about John. So a um, couple interesting things that, that I gained in doing some study this week. Um, Herod was a character that had some major, major issues in his life. And um, three points that that you can look to. So the first point is this, that if we look at verse 3, it says, For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to have him put to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. Very interesting that, that this is a very troubled character. Herod is a very troubled character because of, because of what's happening at this point in the story. 
And um, Herod really is making some bad decisions. Now, again, historically, Herod was, was ruler of this section of the kingdom as a part of the Roman hierarchical government. Um, this position had been passed down to him from his father. And um, he had divorced his wife. His half-brother, had Philip, had a divorce. And he married Herodias. Got it? Not overly scandalous, but scandalous because there was not a cause for divorce that was righteous. So we got that little part of the scandal. But it gets worse. Herodias was Herod's niece. So we got some, we got some real issues going on when you look at the whole family tree and this taking place that, that Herod had made some very, very poor decisions. And as a result of that, John is speaking out publicly against this. So he's very troubled by this because... This is now being public, this is now being made public, and, and John is calling it out. And so as a result of John doing what John's doing in speaking the truth, Herod's like, we got a problem. We need to solve this problem. So when you're in charge and you're in power and you want to solve a problem, you just get rid of the problem, right? So this is exactly what he did. Under the encouragement and the urging of, of Herodias and who knows what sort of shenanigans were going on on the side, John is put into prison and put into prison in this um, area where actually the, the next part of the story takes place. So the, the prison where, where John is being held is in the palace where the party is going to take place. Does that context help you out? So here's a troubled character who has wielded a lot of power and has a lot of political power and a lot of, and a lot of a lot of prestige and, and people under him who are going to do exactly what he tells them to do. And he's troubled because this is being called out. His relationship with, with, with his niece, who is now his wife, because of, because of improper divorces, John has just said, mm, bad, 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 and this is something you should not be doing. It is not lawful for you to be doing this. So he's got another big problem. Because he's afraid to put John to death because of John having influence and power for the right reasons because people consider him to be a prophet. So do you see where he's troubled in his spirit as to what to do? Well, he's making bad decisions left and right, and they're not, they're not getting any better. So first of all, you have a man who is troubled because of bad decisions that he's making. He's getting bad advice, and he's living a lie. Kind of life we want to live? I don't think so. So let's move on. Check out what happens next. Verse 6. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised to give her an oath with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. And prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist. Immediately feels regret. 
but not regret for John, but regret for the fact that he's going to be taking John's life, and that's not going to go well with the people that hold John in high esteem. You see what I'm saying? He's not sorry to get rid of John. He's sorry that he's going to have more trouble on his hands. So, so in this case, his character is incredibly trapped. He is trapped like a rat. And what, what, is, what is even more sad and sickening to, to the effect of this story is this party is going on. It's a wild party. It's a birthday party. It is not a rated G party. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not the kind of party you want to have everybody attending. So at Herodias's conjuring idea, sends in the daughter. There are accounts that believe that, that this daughter that, that danced would have probably been a very young teenager. And the dance would not have at all been appropriate in any way, shape, or form. So here you have a man who, is, who has been married unlawfully and is being called out for that. Now is pleased, as it were. I'm trying to keep this PG if you haven't noticed. I'm dancing around gently. Adults get what I'm doing? Good. Kids just enjoy the, the, the coloring. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. So, so this situation gets to the point where he is so infatuated, big word, of what's going on with this daughter doing her dance that he, in his mind, is saying, this, this, could, be, this could be promising. So he engages this character and says, whatever you want, you can have. Now that wasn't done from the idea of going, you know what, thank you so much for, for coming to my birthday party and, and doing such a good job and I just want to just, you know, just extend a token. No, there, there were strings attached, if you understand what I mean. There were strings attached to that. So trying to gain that affection, he goes, whatever you want, little darling. It's getting worse, isn't it? Things are not going well for, for Herod because behind the scenes, Herodias has a plan. And in that plan, we're going to put to death the guy that's getting in the way. So another completely and totally selfish act, she says, I want John the Baptist's head. Immediate regret, but he's trapped. He's completely and totally trapped. What do I do? What do I do? Well, I got to save face in front of everybody. I'm, I, made this, I made this oath in front of everybody. I've got to follow through. Or if I don't, I'm going to lose my credibility as a leader for all of my people. If I do, there's going to be probably an insurrection, a revolution, a riot, something going on that's not going to go well from this camp over here. I'm completely and totally trapped. But he had to follow through with what he said. So he's a trapped person. 
And then ultimately that leads us back to the very front of the story. And I wanted to do this parenthetically because the first part of the story tells the present tense. And the last part of the story, starting at verse 3, tells what took place up, up before that. So we get to the first part and it says, At this time Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and he said to his servants, This is a tormented character. This has got to be John the Baptist. He has come back to life. And he is coming back to get me. He's coming back to haunt me. Because nobody can do this but that guy with that kind of power. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so here is a tormented individual who has faced all sorts of, of, of conflict, of interest in, in, his, in his seared conscience that he's now completely tormented, that he believes that because of a weird convergence of some of these religious thoughts, because there are some that believe that, that um, Herod in, him, in and of himself would have been a Sadducee, and of that sect, which didn't believe in resurrection from the dead. But here he goes and says to his servants, the only thing that this can possibly be is, this is John the Baptist coming back to get me. This is John the Baptist. He's coming back to get me. My, my spirit is completely tormented. And that is the only way that this can be happening. That he's been raised from the dead. And that is why these miraculous powers are at work. So that's interesting. What is the fame of Jesus that is being seen and heard and, and known throughout the area? Miraculous powers. So we, we back up a little bit in the story from last week. What was Jesus doing in Nazareth? He went to the temple and was teaching and mighty works. So once again, Jesus is on the scene and Jesus is being noticed and being noticed by more than just his, his, his faithful followers and being noticed among those in the pagan world. The kingdom is at hand. The work of Jesus coming on the scene was seen and known. And so again, when we, when we continue to piece back when Jesus was talking about his parables. He was there. He was among them. But they were hard-hearted and would not hear. They'd see, but they're blind. Because of the work then that was going to be taking place as his part, part of his obedience of his death, burial, and resurrection. Conquering sin, death, hell, and the cross. Right? So this is a beautiful story that, 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 that is one of these little things that you could, you could look at this death of John the Baptist as another one of these little snapshot stories that you can just read as a cool little part. And it's, it's just kind of interesting until you really start to weave the whole picture together. That Herod as a tormented soul, as a godless, tormented soul who's made incredibly bad decisions, is completely and totally pagan, is completely and totally lost, has recognized that Jesus is on the scene, 
but can't even acknowledge that it is Jesus. It's got to be this guy that's come back from the dead that's coming back to get me. That is a tormented soul. So, kids, it's a little short interruption here. I didn't know an easier way to transition. Maya, who's, are you doing the teaching today? Woohoo! Maya's doing the, and who's doing the singing? Maya's doing the singing and the teaching. All right. So children, come on up. I'd like to see everyone here, even if you are an older uh, brother or sister. It's so nice to see you guys supporting the little ones. Come on over. I love Sunday uh, telling uh, Bible stories because it's just so much fun seeing you all. We have a little cowboy, Oliver. We have Charlie Sawyer. Bella's coming. We have Preston and Royal and Stella, and I saw it somewhere, AJ, come on, come on over, and Bella's here, wonderful, well, I want to make sure that the little ones have at least cards in front of them, it looks like all the little ones, yeah, there you go, you found the cards, guys, tell me, what picture do you, uh, I mean, what picture, what animal do you see on those pictures, sheep, and what do we call the baby sheep, little Lamb, that's right. But raise your hand if you have seen a lamb or sheep. You did. You have. Wonderful. Well, I haven't seen one in a while, and but I brought a video. They're so much fun to watch. Let's check them out. They're so cute. Adorable little things, aren't they? Tell me, guys, do you think they can take care of themselves? No, they need someone. I mean, the, the, the wild ones, yeah, but the domesticated, they completely depend on someone taking care of them. What do we call that person that takes care, who takes care of sheep? Oh, good. That's good. Shepherd. They're called shepherd. That man that leads them, it's called a shepherd. That's exactly what... Mm-hmm, yes. The, these uh, cards are exactly to show us what a good shepherd does for his sheep. Look, we have a little baby lamb over here. Here he is, or she, I don't know, we'll decide in a minute. So tell me, find that card, if we, uh, just give, us, give me a second here to tell you what we're looking for. What does a good shepherd do when a little baby lamb is born? He wants to call him something. So what, what, what is that? He gives them a... That's right. A good shepherd knows every little sheep by name. So what are we going to call our little lamb? 
Bobby. Oh my gosh, adorable. This, this is going to be Bobby. Point to the picture with all the sheep that have names on them. Oh, there you go. You got it. That's right. Do you see that, Bill? Did you find one picture with all the little sheep with all names? Names, 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 names. That's, that's right. Good. You found it. Next. Well, now we have a cute little one. We, it's so playful. It's so fluffy. What does a good shepherd want to do at all times? Like this. Call him, pet on him. Did you find the one where the shepherd is sitting and um, and he's holding a little baby lamb? And he that's because a good shepherd loves to spend time with his sheep always. He just likes hanging out with them. Good job. Next. Ooh, the little tummy's starting to rumble. Someone's hungry. What does a good shepherd do? Find the picture. Find the picture. Yeah. Ooh, okay, maybe. How about grass? They need to eat grass. There you go. You found it. That's right. He takes them to good pastures. You got it. Next. Whoops, someone's thirsty. Someone needs to drink water. Yes, you found it. He takes them to quiet waters. I don't know why they like water so much that, are, that it's quiet. You guys got it. Next. <gasps> Someone needs to sleep. Someone's right. Oh, there you go. A good shepherd takes them to a nice place, safe. There you go. Because they have been, you know, so tired. And in the morning, it's time for new adventure. You found it. And in the morning, it's time for new adventure. They need to listen to the voice of their shepherd. Guys, not everybody is a good shepherd. Some of them are bad shepherds, and they crawl in the night, and they try to call the, the sheep because they want to rob them away from their good shepherd. But they listen for the voice of their shepherd, just like you know the voice of your mom and your dad when they call. Sawyer, you know that it's Maya. If it's Miss Maya, you don't follow, but you follow mom, right? There you go. Did you find the one where he's calling them? He's calling them like the guy on the, like the shepherd on the video. And they follow. You got it. Good job, Charlie. All right. Next. Now, this one is not a very funny one. This one is a little sad. Little Bobby probably didn't listen to the shepherd. Might have wandered away a little bit or too much. Now he's in a place. One more step. And he's going to fall down this cliff. He can't crawl up. Yes, yes, you found it. You found it, Charlie. He can't crawl up. You got it, Oliver. Because he fell off this very, very steep, rocky place. Yes, yeah. And he is in pain, right? Did you see the picture where the shepherd is? Yes, Sawyer, yes. He's, yes, he's trying to. Yeah, what does the good shepherd do? What is that called? There are different names for that. The good shepherd goes in rescues he finds them yes he doesn't yes he doesn't care how scary it is i mean he would lay his life down for this sheep because you know this is not any sheep out there this is bobby this is his own little sheep he doesn't let that sheep just wander away he go and rescues it good well we have one more picture left tell me what's going on there tell me what words you got it Oh, you're so right about that. Let me find the right place here. I can't, Miss Maya doesn't see very well sometimes with the glasses. Here we go. You're right. Yes. So there's a bear that comes. And sometimes it's lions. And what do they come here around the sheep flock? Why are they here? 
want to eat them. This is really not good news for the sheep. But if this was a good shepherd, he would. Oh, sorry, if it was a bad shepherd, he may let the sheep get hurt. But if he were a good shepherd, what does a good shepherd do? Yeah, rescues and he, he fights with that thing, crook? Is it a crook? Stuff. Let's go with that. Yes, he 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 wants to fight and protect and look after the sheep, right? Well, you know what, guys? We want the sheep to be safe, and this is what Jesus tells us about in the Bible about this situation. In the Bible, in John, I brought the scripture here a little bigger so everybody can see. Jesus tells us, "I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep." And they know me. I really love it when we say God's word, God's word together. Go after me. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And they know me. Well, that's great. That means that Jesus is like the good shepherd. And we are like the little sheep. And all the evil things in this world are like the lion and the bear. And instead of all the evil things coming in, crawling in the night and stealing us away from our good shepherd, Jesus decided to let himself be taken from the bad and the evil things. So when Jesus was on the cross, he was taking up the punishment that the whole world deserved. That wrong things we did, he or do sometimes, he took that on himself. But he didn't stay dead, did he? He defeated evil and death, just like the good shepherd defeated the lion and the bear, right? Now, if we believe in Jesus and we say sorry for the wrong things we do and we follow our good shepherd, he promises to be our good shepherd forever. This, my little friends, is just so wonderful news to celebrate together. And we will. But before we do that, we have a little special something for you. Easter is going to be coming here soon. That's why I have like an egg-shaped box here. Um, it, at Easter, we celebrate how Jesus defeated evil and death. But it's not Easter yet. We're getting ready for it. Can anybody give a guess what's in this little egg-shaped box? Even if you didn't guess right, I'm still going to let you. Candy? Not this time. Maybe for a, a toy. What is <gasps> Sheep? You got it. Yes. There's a little baby sheep that every one of you can keep. And you can name him or her as you want to. Like we name our little Bobby. And remember that you are like this little sheep. And if you believe in Jesus... And if you say, I'm sorry for the wrong things you do sometimes, and if you follow Jesus, he promises to be your good shepherd forever. See, this little sheep has a little cross right on his chest, and that's why you know that you are God's, and he is yours. How do we know that? Well, because the Bible tells us so, and the Bible is God's true book. Let's say God's word together again. Go after me. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And they know me. Great job. 
Now let's celebrate and I have some special cowgirls helpers. And they're going to come and help me out with the next song. Now I have no idea how the shepherds dance up in the mountains. But the closest we have here in the United States is line dancing. But now that I'm from Bulgaria, that means that the line dancing won't be all that authentic. Uh, so we are just inspired by it. Let's get everybody on your feet. So let's stretch a little bit, get some blood going in our bodies. Good job. And this is how it goes. Now we're all going to make four steps this way. Watch me. All going in that direction. It's going to look like this. One, two, three, four. And then the other way. One, two, three, four. Let's go together. Five, six, seven, go. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Ooh, quick question, Doral. Okay, so next thing that needs to happen, see? And now, yeah, natural, what was I thinking? I'm the only one struggling here. Everybody <laughs> was born dancing, line dancing. All right, so we have now the hill, and we're going to kick the ground like this. Kick it. And then you kick the ground like this. Good job. Well, now all of our, all of our cowboy hats have fallen maybe or about to fall so we need to adjust them adjust them keep them in place now let's kick and keep the hats in place kick and keep those hats in place oh my gosh you're so awesome all right all right and then next <laughs> and next then hold your waist like this and then uh, jump to the right and then to the left and then to the right and then to the left and then you got it and then Jesus is our good shepherd, and he takes us back like this, home. Good job. And then we want to say, Jesus, pick me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Pick me. I want to be the good follower. And we'll turn around. We're going to turn around like this. But now we all of a sudden remember that we are cowboys and cowgirls, and we're going to do a lasso. Turn around. Turn around with a lasso. Good job, everybody. Yes. And then we want to thank God and pray and tell him we will follow anywhere you want to take us. You are a good shepherd. Thank you, guys. Let's do this with the music. And if you get confused, oh, well, just march and clap. We are ready. <laughs> Hear him call me 
Well, I will say this. There are a lot of you that do not need to quit your day jobs. Um, Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise, and that's the excuse for those that can't sing. I don't have, I don't have one for what I saw. <laughs> you tried. You did really well in trying. There's a reason. So, so, I, so here's the truth, sidebar. Um, believe it or not, I had hair. Believe it or not, I had a mullet. Yeah, yeah, business in the front, party in the back. Um, so I had, I had the dance move that wooed the women in high school. That's all I got. So, so there's a reason why none of that was happening because that's, that's all I got. So we're just we're going to leave it at that um, and somehow try to redeem that. I don't know how. Turn with me in the book of Colossians, if you would, please. Give just a little, um, little sidebar follow-up to, to Herod in, um, in his being conflicted. It is because he is godless. Agreed? Um, as Christ followers, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ, right? If we have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. So, so here's the warning. Just because we are saved, does that mean that we can now enjoy a life of sinlessness and, and not get bogged down and mired, we will forever struggle, won't we? But here, here is an interesting contrast. Take a look at the evidence of not living for Christ and not being led by Christ. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is Herod. Sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, so Colossians gives us a very, very clear picture of what it is to look like one who is not led by the Spirit. So the other character in this story is John the Baptist. Why was he put in prison? For doing wrong? Why was John the Baptist put in prison by, Her by Herod? For speaking the truth. For standing up and doing what was right and speaking the truth. Um, I'll give some character qualities that I think um, kind of illuminate a little bit of John's character in, in stark contrast to um, Herod. And if you would, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 3. And again, taking this and, and, and putting it in context to, to the story of John the Baptist with Herod, he was put in prison for speaking the truth, okay? 
verse 7 says that, that, that John the Baptist is preparing the way, and so, so he is going before Christ as the forerunner in, in, in announcing again that the kingdom has come because here is Christ on the scene. See the similarity to what, to what the parables were doing um, in, in Jesus' earthly ministry? Jesus is on the scene. And so he says, we'll back up to verse 4, as it is written in the, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, John, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God, which is the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus is on the scene. So I find it very interesting then that, that, that one of the evidences of the work of, of, of God in John is this next little thing. He says, and he said, therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. This is very interesting. You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Does that ring a bell from any of the parables that Jesus said? And then, then, then flip down because in Mark, this, this, pass, this part of the passage is, is moved up. So I want to I go down. And go down to uh, verse 17. In, in Mark, it, and, and, or in Matthew, um, it says this part. It says right after that part about every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And it says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with the unquenchable fire. Jesus is on the scene. And one of the evidences of, of, of a spirit-led life is this, is this understanding here, is that, is that John spoke with discernment. He was discerning of spirits and what was going on, and he was calling out them as a brood of vipers. John was calling out Herod for his sin. Turn with me to Philippians 1.9. Paul says to the Philippian church, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen to this. And it is my prayer that your love, which is the love that has come from Christ, right? This is the Christ-like love. This is not, this is not the, the temporary affections of, of human emotion. This is Christ-like love. That your love may abound more and more with what? Knowledge and discernment that you may be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
John the Baptist in and of himself was very discerning and as a prophet was calling it out for what it is. He was calling out Herod's sin. He was calling out the, 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 his, the, the Jewish people and said, you brood of vipers. You are without the Messiah. And the Messiah is on the scene. And even now, he is taking his winnowing fork and threshing the wheat and getting rid of all of the chaff and bringing the wheat into the, to the harvest and, and, and getting rid of the chaff. Jesus is on the scene. Verse 10, the crowd said, What then do we do? He answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him and who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. And the tax collectors came to be baptized and said to them, Teacher, what shall we do? And, i uh, sorry. And he said, collect no more than you're authorized to do. And the soldiers said, what should we do? And he said, don't extort money for anything from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, this is the next evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water but he who is what? Mightier than I. John as a human being could have been just like Herod and reveled in the power. Reveled in the fact that he's got a following. I could take full advantage of this, man. I got a following. I got people that are listening to every single thing that I say. I could just, I could just really exploit this. I could have some of these tax collectors start taking a little bit more off the top and coming my way. I could have some of my friends over here who are soldiers. Kind of, yeah, just. But no, what did he say? He said, I baptize with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Colossians 3, chapter 12, turn with me. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. John wasn't saying all of this to them because he hated them. John was not even saying what he was saying to Herod because he hated Herod. John was speaking the truth in love because he had a heart for people. He wanted them to know the one who is coming who is mightier than he. And in his humility, he was deflecting any and all accolades on him. He was deflecting it all to whom? The one he said, the one who is coming who is mightier than me, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals that he's wearing. This is all about Jesus Christ because he is on the scene. The Messiah has come. 
Are you hearing me? His heart was not motivated out of hatred for his people. His heart was motivated out of love and in all humility. He was deflecting any and all towards only Jesus Christ. Because what's it say? He goes on and it says this. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing room floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. And then he baptizes Christ. And even in that moment, he was, he was, he was not wanting to do that. And Christ said, you need to baptize me. And that's when the, the bodily form like a dove came down and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did John preach a salvation message of, hey, get baptized by me and it's all good? He said, no. The one who is coming who is mightier than I that is the salvation. For flesh, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I am coming to foretell that. And even now, he is here. And so then that beautiful picture of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus and the dove descending. And the voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here's John the Baptist in stark Stark contrast to Herod. Spirit-led, spirit-filled, with discernment, with humility, does nothing other than to glorify and magnify and preach the truth of Jesus Christ. May we, church, be that committed where are we today? Is there a need for truth to be spoken today in this society? Is there a very lost and dying world that needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He conquered sin, death, and hell. He became obedient, crucified, buried, and resurrected, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that is the hope, love, and truth that this world needs to hear. Church, may we be as passionate and as committed as John the Baptist to preach the good news. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, as your people, as new creatures, as children, as servants, as the body. Once again, all of these metaphors 
are, 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 are those objects that give us the understanding that we are not Christ, but we are the body of Christ. That it is not about us. It is not about our direction. It is not about the things we'd like to do. It is not about our, our affections. It is not about what we can get. But it is about Jesus Christ. You loved us. You called us. You provided the way because of Jesus Christ. And as your servants, as your children, as the body, you have called us to preach the good news, to live that out, to speak the truth in love, and to love love well so that everything that we do everything that we say be done for the glory of Jesus Christ our Savior in his name we pray